Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go with me to the book of Habakkuk. I'm not tricking you. There really is a book in the Bible called Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament, near the end of the Old Testament. I'll give you a moment to look that up. And while you're looking it up, I just want to say to those that are joining us today via live stream, I want you to really tune in for these next few moments because I believe the Lord has given me a word of encouragement for some people in this room and those that are watching us through live stream today. And also to remind you that those of you here today, as you leave, you can give on your way out. Those that are watching us online, there's a number of different ways you can give and You'll receive that information on the screen. And then also this Thursday evening, once a month, we do a massive feeding program for people in our community. And uh, that ministry is open this Thursday evening. If you have some time and you could help volunteer because we're serving a lot of people right now. And we need more volunteers to help us. Uh, You can contact Pam Ballinger. You could even contact Jonathan Dodd and uh, they can let you know how you can connect and be a part of that. It is such a blessing to be able to serve people in our community. Today, I want to begin and talk about for the next couple of weeks, and I really believe the Lord has put this, the Holy Spirit has prompted this in my heart. But today, next Sunday and the following Sunday, the Lord willing, I'm going to be doing a three-week sermon series from the book of Habakkuk. And I'm entitling this series, Trusting God During Trying Times. And I think there's a lot of people here this morning that are going through some difficult times, that are going through some hard times, that are going through some trying times. And I just want to encourage you today with this message and the following weeks to trust God, <coughs> excuse me, during trying times. Now, before I get into the heart of the message this morning, I just want to give you a little bit of a context about the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is writing some 600 years before Christ. And he's writing during a time, he's prophesying during a time when the nation of Israel has become very corrupt. There's all kind of violence and injustice in the land. And Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets that we read after in the Old Testament. Now, when I say he's a minor prophet... I don't mean that he was minor in the sense that what he had to say was not important because what he had to say and what he wrote is very important to us. But it's, he's a minor prophet simply because his book is not very long. Major prophets would be guys like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. And if you're going to read one of their books, you're going to have to take a little time to sit down and read through it. But Habakkuk was one of 12 minor prophets. His book is only three chapters long. And we don't know a lot about Habakkuk. Matter of fact, we know less about Habakkuk than we do any other prophet in the Bible. All we know is that perhaps he was a a temple musician. Uh, He became a priest and later he became a prophet. 
And a prophet was somebody who spoke to the people on behalf of God. But what's interesting about the book of Habakkuk that is so much different than the other prophetic books is that Habakkuk does not declare to the people a word from God. But instead, he has a dialogue with God. He's processing some things. There are some things about God that he doesn't understand. Matter of fact, his name means to embrace. His name means to wrestle. And so what we're going to find here in chapter 1 today is we're going to find Habakkuk and he is, he's wrestling with God. And, and that's the title of today's message because I believe that there's some of you here today that you've been wrestling with God. And he's wrestling with God about three things. He has three problems with God. Well, he probably has more than that, but we're going to look at three. And the first problem that Habakkuk has with God is this. And he, he just simply says, God, you don't seem to care. Now, we talked about this last week from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And until you are convinced of that, until you are convinced that God cares for you, you're going to have anxiety, you're going to have fear, you're going to have worry in your life until you can come to terms with the fact that God does care for you care about you. But, but Habakkuk, he, he's, he's got a problem with God because it seems like God doesn't care. And then a second problem that he had with God is this, and that is, God, you aren't doing much when I know you can. You're, you're not doing much when I know that you could. Anybody ever been there before? Anybody ever wrestled with God over that issue? God, I know you can do more, but it doesn't seem like you're doing what you can. And then a third problem that Habakkuk had with God is this, and that is, God, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. Now, that's three questions right there or three problems that I think all of us at some point in time in our lives that we've had with God. God, you don't seem to care. And God, you aren't doing much when you could. And God, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. And so in Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk is wrestling with God over these issues. We're going to see that as we look at the scriptures this morning. So let's begin here in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. And the book begins like this. It says, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Now that's interesting to me because usually a burden is not something you see. Usually a burden is something that you feel. But what Habakkuk is saying here is Habakkuk said, God, you've allowed me to see some things that I wish you would not have allowed me to see. Because you've allowed me to see some things that have overwhelmed me, that have burdened me, that have become a heavy load to me. Another way that you could interpret that passage of Scripture is that God gave Habakkuk a burdensome message to share with the people. And that the message that God gave to Habakkuk was so heavy and was so clear that it was almost as if Habakkuk could see it. But it's almost like he's had a vision. But, but it begins by saying this is a burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. I believe that the correct translation would be that he saw some things that burdened him. 
He, he saw some things that weighed heavy on him. He had some questions for which God was not answering his questions. And we go to verse 2, and he really begins to open up. And here's what he says. He said, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? And how long will I cry out to you violence and you will not save? I wonder if there's anybody else here this morning besides me that's ever asked God, how long? How long, God? How, how long am I going to have to cry, God, and it doesn't seem like you care? It doesn't seem like that you're hearing me. And God, how long do I have to scream to the top of my lungs, violence, but you're not doing anything to save? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that if God's not answering our prayers, and, and this is not always the case, but many times it is, God, God says that if, if he's not answering our prayers, that there's a reason for that. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses one and two, he said, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. That means it's not that God doesn't have the power to do it. God does have the power to save. So it's not that his hand is short that he cannot save, nor is his ear heavy. It's not that God is deaf that he cannot hear. So if he's not saving and if he's not hearing, it's, be it's not because he can't, it's because he won't. And the reason why he won't, he said, but your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, this is not always the reason why God doesn't answer, but in this situation, it was. The nation of Israel was in sin. The nation of Israel was corrupt. Matter of fact, under Josiah, the King Josiah, there had been much reform that led to revival and a return of God's people to righteousness. But after Josiah died and his son Jehoiakim became king, they went right back to their old ways and they drifted away from God and they got more and more and more corrupt. And they have sin and iniquity in their heart. Remember what the psalmist said? The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And what that means is this, that if I have sin, if I have iniquity in my heart, and I don't acknowledge that, and I don't repent of that, and I don't ask God to forgive me of that, if I know it's there and I'm not doing anything about it, the Lord will not hear. And so Habakkuk is saying, Lord, how long, how long do I have to cry? Because Habakkuk, he, he's a good man. Habakkuk's a godly man. Habakkuk has a relationship with God. And he's wondering, God, why when I cry, you don't hear? And when I scream to the top of my lungs, violence, God, why are you not saving? And he went on with his questions. He says, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? You see, he's seeing things that have burdened him, things that he probably wished God would have never let him see. And he goes on and he says, for plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Notice four words he uses to describe that culture. Four, four words to describe the southern kingdom of Israel. He said the word plundering, which is destruction, violence, strife, 
contention or conflict. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? It sounds a lot like the culture that we live in today. It sounds a lot like the society that we live in today. And so this book is not just for the nation of Israel. This book is for anybody who becomes like the nation of Israel. This book is for anybody who becomes wicked like the nation of Babylon. God will not tolerate forever our sinfulness and our wickedness. And so he goes on, Habakkuk does in verse four, and he said, therefore the law is powerless. The law is paralyzed. The Hebrew word means cold, that the law is cold. Have you ever been working outside in really, really freezing temperatures and you didn't have any gloves on and your hands got really cold, your fingers got really cold so that if you're trying to, to, to put something together or work on something, your, your fingers just wouldn't cooperate. It's like they're frozen, like they're paralyzed. And he said, that's what the law is. He said, the law is powerless. The law is paralyzed because you've got all of these corrupt politicians in government positions that are, that are not leading the way that they're supposed to be leading. And then he goes on and he says, and justice never goes forth. Is there anybody in this room here today who feels like that justice just never goes forth in our society, in our culture, that there is such injustice? And, and on top of that, Habakkuk saying, God, you don't seem to care. God, you don't seem to be doing anything about it. He said, the law's powerless. Justice never goes forth. And the wicked surround the righteous. Because even at this time, Babylon is becoming a world power and it won't be long until they will be the, the most powerful nation in all the world and they'll come along and they'll sweep up all other nations. And, and, and they felt, Habakkuk felt like I see this, I see Babylon becoming more and more powerful. They are surrounding us. And he said, it's like the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. If you want to get out of trouble, all you got to do is buy your way out of trouble. If you don't like somebody and you want to get them into trouble, you can buy their way into trouble. There was all kind of bribery, all kind of deals that were taking place in, in the back halls of, of buildings and, and deals that were taking place under the table. That was the kind of culture. This is that, and we're talking about the people of God. We're talking about the nation of Israel. And Habakkuk says, God, it just doesn't make sense to me. These are your chosen people. They have broken covenant with you. And God, you're not doing anything to discipline them. God, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything to chasten them. But you know what? What? We've seen the song here sometimes. Even when you don't see it, sometimes he's working. And even when you don't feel it, sometimes he's working. And what God had been doing, God had been working all along, trying to get the attention of the nation of Israel. How? Well, he sent prophet after prophet after prophet, trying to tell them, listen, if you don't change your ways, you're going to end up in captivity. If, if you don't repent and change your ways, you're going to end up back in bondage again. And God sent prophet after prophet with that message. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah, the prophet prophesied to the nation of Israel, get this for 40 years, he tried to tell them this and they hardened their hearts toward him. Instead of moving closer to God, they were moving further away from God. He sent natural calamities, earthquakes. He sent all kinds of plagues.
plagues and pestilences. Listen, have we not seen some of those same kind of things in our world today? Do you think that God is trying to tell us something, especially here in the United States of America? Do you think that God is trying to say, listen, I've sent prophet after prophet after prophet. You don't think I'm working, but I'm working. I've sent prophet after prophet to tell you, to give you a warning. I have allowed all kinds of disasters. I have allowed pestilences. I have allowed plagues, but instead of moving toward me, you're moving further away from me. And, and, and so here's what Habakkuk's doing. Habakkuk is praying and he's hoping that as a result of his prayers, that God is going to hear his prayers, that there's once again going to be repentance. There's once again going to be reform that's going to lead to a revival, which is going to lead the people of God back into lives of righteousness. That's what Habakkuk has in mind. But how many of you know sometimes God may answer you, but he doesn't always answer you the way you thought he was going to answer you. And that can be tough. You see, somebody asks, they say, well, does God answer prayer? Yes, he does. Always. He always answers prayer. Sometimes he says, no, we don't like that. Sometimes he says, yes, we like that. Sometimes he says, not yet. That's a struggle. But then other times God says, yes, but not the way you expected. That can be tough. When God answers a prayer and says, yes, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something, but I'm not going to do it the way that you expected. So Habakkuk gives his complaint to God and God responds. He says, Habakkuk, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. In other words, when you see what I'm about to do, it's going to stagger you, almost knock you off your feet. He said, for I'm going to work a work in your days, which you would not believe though it were told you. Now, a lot of preachers will take that one passage of scripture. They'll pull it out of context and they'll preach about revival and say, God is about to do something that's going to amaze you. God's about to do a work like you wouldn't believe. And God is going to do something that even if it were told you, you wouldn't believe it. But notice what God has in mind. God tells Habakkuk, for indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. He said, I'm going to raise them up. In other words, instead of revival, judgment's coming. Instead of revival, chastening and discipline is coming. And I'm going to use the Babylonians to discipline my people. I'm going to use the Babylonians to chasten. I tried to get their attention with prophets. I tried to get their attention other ways. And now what I said was going to happen is going to happen to them. They're going to be taken into bondage and into captivity. But he said, I am indeed raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and a hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. He begins to talk to us about how, how destructive and wicked the Babylonians are. He said they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. They're prideful people. And he said their horses, check this out, their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than hungry 
hungry evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as an eagle that swoops down on their prey to take food. And then he goes on in verse 9 and says, they all come for violence. That's, that's all that the Babylonians would show up for. That's why the Babylonians are a picture of Satan. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his only purpose. The only purpose of the Babylonians was to steal and to kill and to destroy. They come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and are scorned by them. They have no respect for authority whatsoever, God says about the Babylonians. They deride every stronghold for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. That means there was not a city that had walls so thick and walls so high that they couldn't figure out a way to get over those walls and overtake those cities. He said, then his mind changes, talking about Babylon, and he transgresses, he commits offense. He's guilty. Babylon is guilty of sin. Ascribing this power to his God. If you were to ask those Babylonians who your God is, they would say, our God is our strength. Our God is our power. Our God is our self. And so Habakkuk is praying and saying, God, it doesn't seem like you care. God, you're not doing what you could. And now, God, even what you're doing doesn't seem fair. God does not answer. He answers Habakkuk, but he does not answer Habakkuk the way Habakkuk thought. Habakkuk thought revival was coming, and God said, no, we're past that. It's time for some judgment. It's time for the people to really, for, for me to really get the attention of my people. And notice what Habakkuk does. Because Habakkuk at that moment, and this is where some of you are today, Habakkuk enters into a crisis of faith. He enters into a crisis of belief because he's beginning to see some things that, that, that does not line up with what he believes about God in his heart. Anybody ever been there this morning where what you see does not line up with what you believe in your heart about God? And so here Habakkuk is thinking God's going to send revival and instead God says, I'm going to raise up a people even more wicked than y'all to discipline you, to chasten you. And Habakkuk struggles with that. And here's what he does. Now understand, he loves God. He has a relationship with God. He trusts God. And when he responds to God after God's first response... He responds the way you and I respond a lot of times. And it's okay for mature Christian people to respond like this. But he responds, first of all, with an affirmation of faith in God. Followed up with more questions. How many of you know today you can have faith in God and still have some questions? You can have faith in God and still have some doubts. You can have faith in God and still have some unanswered questions. And, and that's where Habakkuk is in this season of his life. Because listen to how he responds. He says, are you not from everlasting? Oh, Lord, my God, the Holy One. And then he makes this statement of faith. We will not die. God, you may use these Babylonians to chasten us. You may use these Babylonians to discipline us, but you're not going to use them to destroy us and to annihilate us. We will survive this. 
And he knew who God was. He said, you are everlasting. You are the Holy One, O Lord. You have appointed them, that is the Babylonians, to bring judgment on us. O Rock, you have marked them to bring correction to us. He says this, he says, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the righteous devours a person more righteous than he now let's stop right here because we've all been here God this doesn't make sense why would you choose someone more wicked than us to chasten and discipline the righteous God why does it seem like the wicked are getting away with everything and the righteous get away with nothing God, why, why does it seem like the wicked are prospering while the righteous are suffering? Anybody ever had that crisis of faith in your life before? God, why? When we've been praying for a baby for years, when we've been praying to get pregnant for years, and then there's this other girl over here that's been with four different guys, and she's gotten pregnant four different times and had four abortions. God, why? Why does that happen, God? I know these are some tough questions that some of you have had in your heart. Some of you have had in your mind. And do you know what God wants you to know? God wants you to know this morning, he's good with your questions. God doesn't mind you coming honestly to him with your questions. God, why do you have this guy that has, has gotten three, four, five DUIs, driving under the influence, driving while intoxicated, and then suddenly has an accident where a little three-year-old innocent child's life is taken. God, why? And then it just seems like justice doesn't prevail because that person seems to get away with what they did. Questions, questions that every one of us have. God, why does it look like the wicked are prospering while the righteous are suffering? And that's where Habakkuk is. He said, God, why do you hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? And then he goes on and he has some other questions for God. God, why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? They, the Babylonians, they take up these men that are like fish. He said, they take them up with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. And therefore they rejoice and are glad because when when you go fishing and you catch a lot of fish, you celebrate. When you go fishing and you catch a lot of fish, you rejoice. And these Babylonians, when they would bring these men and women in as captives, when they would scoop them up in their nets, then they would, at the end of the day, they would celebrate, they would rejoice over how many fish people they caught that day. And he goes on and he says this, he says, therefore they sacrificed, the Babylonians, they sacrificed to their nets because that net is what gives us success. That net is what prospers us. That net is what is provided for us. Therefore, they sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their dragnet because by them their share is something
sumptuous and their food plentiful. And then in verse 17, he said, shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? And, 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 and we got Habakkuk here in a real crisis of faith. He, it's like, God, what I'm seeing does not line up with what I believe about you in my heart. And it left him with questions. It's right where some of you are this morning. Because some of you are like, Pastor, what I'm seeing, it does not line up with what I know about God. What do I do, Pastor, when I'm in a season like that in my life? Well, maybe I can illustrate it. And I know everybody can't see this board this morning. But hopefully you can see it well enough to get this illustration. I got this out of a book that was written by a man by the name of Self Godin. And it's a book entitled The Dip. And he used this little illustration for business purposes, but I'm going to use it today for spiritual purposes. Let, let's just say that this, this mark right here, let, let's just say that that marks the beginning of our journey with God. And how many of you remember the day that you started your journey with the Lord? You remember that? Do you remember the first time that you ever encountered, the first time that you ever experienced the Lord? And I don't know, maybe there's somebody here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Listen, you didn't walk into this place today by chance. You're here today by divine providence. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit is reaching out to you. I believe that the love of God is reaching out to you. And that maybe before you leave this service today, you're going to make a decision to start a journey with the Lord. But when we start that journey with the Lord, man, we have that, that spiritual high. I mean, we, we, the, way we, the way we feel has completely changed. Joy, joy in our heart. We, 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 we have that spiritual high. And, and, and we, we can't wait to leave and go tell people what Jesus has done for us, you know. And, and we start living a Christian life, you know. And our friends start calling us weird, you know, because, because, because now we're being like, now we're, we're, we're actually living a righteous life in an unrighteous world. And we start having all of these God coincidences. You know what I'm talking about. Those God coincidences. We come to church, man, that message was just for me. Just for me. I, but God loves me so much that he spoke just to me this morning. And then you leave after hearing a message that was just for you. You get in your car, you turn on your radio, and it's your favorite song that you haven't heard in years. And you get in your car, you drive over to Walmart, and when you get to Walmart, there's a parking space right up front. It's one God coincidence after the other. You're praying and God is answering your prayers. You get bad news, you pray, and God turns bad news into good news. You hear that somebody's sick, you pray, and they're healed. I mean, everything is going your way. Having all of those God coincidences in your life. But at some point in time, in every one of our lives, you and I, we're, we're going to enter into a dip. We come to church. We leave. I ain't got a clue what pastor was talking about today. 
Whereas the message was so personal to you before now, you're like, hmm, didn't really get anything out of that. You go back to your car, turn on the radio, and instead of it being your favorite song, it's your least favorite song that you haven't heard in years and that you would hope to never hear again because of what it reminds you of. You go to Walmart, there are no parking spaces. So you gotta, you gotta park at the gas station, walk all the way up, and, and, and lo and behold, nobody has a mask on. Everything's just going wrong. You pray and God's not answering your prayers. And then you hit a real crisis when somebody that you love Somebody that you're close to maybe gets a bad diagnosis and you pray for them to be healed and instead of them being healed, instead they die. And you've come to what Robert Blackaby calls a crisis of belief. To where what you're seeing does not line up with what you believe in your heart about God. And when you come to this crisis of belief, you have three choices, you have three options. Let me tell you what a lot of people do. A lot of people deny reality. And they try to go right back up to that moment in their life when they were having all of these God coincidences. Maybe you've been told you're sick and you deny reality. No, I'm not sick. No. Maybe you've been told that they have a debilitating disease for which there's no cure. And you're like, no, 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 no. They're, they're not sick. The doctor's wrong. Bad report. I, I, know the, I know the company's cutting back and they told me that I'm probably going to get later. I'm not, I'm not going to get. You, you, you go to that place of denying reality. But then there's some others that when they hit a crisis of belief, instead of going back to here, they go all the way back to there. And they're like, well, God must not be who I thought he was. Because this is definitely not what I thought God was going to be like. I mean, it was all good when the sermons were speaking to me. It was good when the, when the radio was playing my favorite song. It's good when, when the parking space is there. It was good when God was answering my prayers. But, but now you've hit this crisis of belief and you're beginning to doubt that God is who he says he is and that God's going to do what God says he's going to do. And you're like, well, if that's the way it's going to be, then just forget this. Forget it. It's not worth it. But then there's a third option. And this is the option that Habakkuk chose to take. And that is that when you hit a crisis of faith, you trust. And you stay on the journey that God has you on. Listen, it is the path that most people would not choose. But I'm telling you that anybody who ever gets up here to that place where your faith is stronger than it's ever been, where God takes you to a place in Him and your relationship with Him that you never thought was possible. Anybody who has ever made it here has had to take this journey. And I want you to notice something. It doesn't mean that things are going to get better before they get worse. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. But here's what Habakkuk decided to do. Habakkuk decided that in my trying times, in my hard times, in my difficult times, when what I see doesn't line up with what I believe, I'm not going to abandon God. I'm not going to forsake God, but I'm going to continue to trust God. It's what James talked about in James chapter 1 when he said this. He said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the trying of your faith produces perfection. 
perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, lacking nothing. I'm saying to you that what you've got to learn how to do during trying times, what you've got to learn how to do during hard times, you've got to learn how to do the Habakkuk. Did you hear me? You've got to learn how to do the Habakkuk. Habakkuk means to embrace. Habakkuk means to wrestle. And what you've got to do when you don't have any answers to your questions, what you've got to do when God's doing things that you don't understand, when, when, what you've got to do when, when, when everything doesn't seem to be going the way that you thought it was going to go, you've got to do like Habakkuk. You've got to grab hold of God. You've got to grab hold of the Word of God. You've got to grab hold of the promises of God. And you've got to embrace and you've got to hang on and never let go. Somebody here this morning needs to hear this because somebody's lost your grip on God and somebody's lost your grip on the Word of God and somebody's lost your grip on the promises of God and God says if you're going to get through trying times you've got to trust me even when you don't see it I'm working even when you don't feel it I'm working I never stop I never stop working somebody needs to know he's a way maker he's a miracle worker he's a promise keeper oh somebody ought to get on your feet this morning and worship a God that can be trusted even through trying times. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Come on. Oh, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Waymaker. Oh, waymaker. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. tell you where some of you are this morning you're in Habakkuk chapter 1 but remember there's three chapters don't get stuck in chapter 1 this 
is chapter 1. Where Habakkuk ends that chapter with questions. Questions. And I hate to tell you this. Chapter 2 don't get much better. Because he's down here. Waiting. And waiting. And waiting. Because in chapter 2 verse 1. After he asked God those questions, he then says, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower. And he said, I'm going to stand at my guard post and I will wait. It can be hard to do. But he said, I'm going to wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. And the Lord answers him again in chapter two and gives him some insight, gives him a revelation that gives him everything he needs to keep trusting in trying times. You'll just have to be back next week to find out what that revelation was. But listen, if you'll hang with me, chapter three is all about worship. You're gonna get your song back. Do you hear me? Somebody that lost your song, you're gonna get your song back. Some of you that's lost your joy, you're going to get your joy back. Some of you that lost your peace, you're going to get your peace back. Some of you that's lost your faith, you're going to get your faith back. Because when we get to chapter 3, Habakkuk has church. Because he reminds himself of who God truly is. So... You may be in Habakkuk chapter 1 this morning, but hang on. It may get worse before it gets better. But anybody who's ever made it to there had to take this journey to get there. Anybody in this room here today that will tell you that they're here will tell you they had to take that route to get there. You're going to experience some crises of belief and some crisis of faith. But don't let that, don't let that hinder who you know God to be. Because just just cause you can't figure it out don't mean God hasn't got it figured out. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean God don't, don't understand. You just gotta trust Him throughout this whole journey because He's as much God right here as he is here or here. And do you know what the truest expression of trusting God is? Anything else? Worship. When you can worship him here. I wonder if there's anybody here in these two places today that can give him a shout of praise. I wonder if there's anybody that even in the dip Even in the dip, you can still praise Him. Even in the dip, you can still trust Him. Even in the dip, you can keep worshiping Him. Oh, come on, somebody. Give Him some praise. Give Him some praise. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. Even when I don't feel it, you 
Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. So Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, If there's one person, Lord, in this house today who has not surrendered their life to you, it needs to happen today. It needs to happen today. You need to know this is what your journey will look like. And this will not be your only crisis of faith. There will be many. But somebody here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, you need to start your journey this morning. You need to trust God with your life. You need to trust God with your situation, with your circumstance. You need to trust God in every area of your life. You need to resign today from being the boss. You need to resign today from trying to be the director, the manager of your life. You need to turn your life over to Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So if you're here today and you don't know him, I want you to pray this prayer with me and I want you to pray it out loud with everybody else. We're all going to pray it together. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect, sinless life. Come on, shout it. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were buried in a tomb and that you rose again and that you are alive today and that you have power that will help me overcome every crisis in my life. I believe you're seated at the right hand of God the Father, alive and well, praying for me. You've been praying for my salvation and today, I say yes to Jesus. Bible says, now listen to me. The Bible says this. The Bible says if you believe that in your heart, all that we just said, if you truly, sincerely believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, you shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you just sincerely and truly prayed that prayer with me today, you need to celebrate and you need to rejoice because you've just made the best decision of your life. Now let me tell you what we're here for, the church. We're here to help you through this. We're here to walk with you through it because we wanna see you get to here. And with God's help and with the help of a good church, you can get there, amen? There may be somebody in this room right now in a crisis of faith, a crisis of belief, Father, No matter how hard we try, we'll never be able to figure out why you do things the way you do. What you do, why you do it, how you do it. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But you're God. And who are we to question you in how you do things and why you do things and what you do? God, we trust you. 
You've never made a bad call. You've never made a bad decision in your life. You've always done the wisest thing. You've always done the thing that needs to be done that helps to fulfill the bigger plan that you have. So Lord, we don't try to figure it out. We don't live by explanations. We live by promises. Somebody needed to hear that. We don't live by explanations. We live by promises. And God has promised that in the end, His perfect will will be done completely. Thank you for that, Lord. Come on. Now we got to trust Him. Even if we're in a crisis, we got to trust Him. Even if we don't understand, we still got to trust Him in trying times. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's thank God for His Word today. Don't you love the Word of God? Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.